Welcome to Everyday Driver, where cars are more than just transportation. They're freedom, a common ground, a way to grow, and can even make life better. We're here to help everyone find a car they love and discover all the ways cars connect us. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is The Car Debate. Hey guys, happy Tuesday. It's a big week for us. It's often a big week for us, but this week is a big deal because the transition's happening this week from the cheap sports cars to the new cars we're going to cover for the next year, and I'm quite excited. This Thursday, we'll reveal the video where we reveal the cars, but we're also going to reveal them on social media, and at the same time, we're going to be running a giveaway Yep, because Fast and Furious 9 has come to Blu-ray and digital download. Space Fiero in your home theater. I'm, I'm, I'm saying, come on. No matter how fast you are, no one outruns their past. Vin Diesel returns for the ninth chapter of the worldwide blockbuster series in F9, The Fast Saga. There's something in there about family, which is why it also stars John Cena. So he's in there too. So you can own F9, The Fast Saga with never-before-seen footage. It's the director's cut, all-new bonus content. It's available in 4K, Blu-ray, digital. We are giving away five digital download copies. We're going to have a contest this coming Thursday. As part of our reveal of these cars, we're doing a contest. It's an odometer guess. When you see the two cars revealed, it's the five closest guesses to the odometer of either car. Mm -hmm. Those are the people that will win. So you can guess for both cars. You can just pick one of the cars, whatever that number is. Whoever picks the five closest guesses to that car, they will win the digital download copy. It's pretty cool. We wish you success with that, and we can't wait to reveal these cars, Mm -hmm. and there's going to be a lot of discussion. That is next episode, 640, when we talk about that. Today, though, we have a crazy topic Tuesday that I think will get a bit ranty, maybe a bit preachy. I'm not sure. There's going to be a lot coming on this topic Tuesday that has actually born out of YouTube comments, so you can guarantee that's going to be fun. And a really cool car debate coming from Gabe as well, and then, of course, many, many of your questions. Since we talk about the C8 Corvette so often, the mm-hmm. Z06 has been revealed now with an even more pronounced or obvious side intake. Well, it, uh, it's, it's here with the crazy flat plane crank V8. Is that what they're talking about? Isn't yes. It's supposed to have a crazy V8 engine in it. Yes, even crazier it's five than the and a half one. liters. It's yeah. supposed to produce 617 horsepower, which is less than the prior generation. But hopefully this will be even more. Sometimes Porsche does that. They offer less horsepower, but for inexplicable reasons, the car is faster because of aerodynamics. <laughs> but I saw the image. You might have seen it already. The wheels are a little bit too luxe for me. They're a little bit too luxurious looking. Oh, interesting. It's not okay. supposed to be a luxurious car. This true, is not true. going to be a cruiser. You need yep. to be going fast. It just needs five-spoke wheels. The end. They need to be race wheels, five spokes. That's it. <laughs> well, since the engine is coming out of their race program, you would think they would make it look as racy as possible. I'll be very, very curious about that car. Obviously, we like the current C8 in its, I, I hate to even say base form, because it's a, it's a rocket ship in the form you can buy it right yeah, now. It is. It's only getting faster. That segues nicely into what we're talking about, because there's been a lot of commentary on YouTube lately that has gotten Paul and I talking, and then mm-hmm. we go, okay, we need to make this a topic Tuesday, where we're talking about fast versus fun. Now, we talked yeah. about Fast and Furious yeah. at the top of the podcast, so this all, look, it's all connected quite <laughs> well, if I'm, not, if I'm not mistaken. The thing going on here is there's been comments on the C8 and Cayman episode. There's been comments on our eight cheap sports car episode. Yeah. And yeah. elsewhere, the comments are essentially along the lines of, unless it's faster, it can't be fun. Or whatever the fastest car here is must be the most fun. Or must, that's actually not fair. The comments are, whatever's fastest wins. You can't see my air quotes, but wins? I agree. Well, since the foundation of the show in 07, 
we've always said you can't drive a spec sheet. Mm -hmm. That was the tagline Mm -hmm. back then. And we've not mentioned it quite as much, but we hammered on that initially. Mm -hmm. And that drove our thinking for car comparisons and everything that we shoot. But you really can't. Mm -hmm. But it seems the internet says that you can and should be able to. And therefore, the most numbers, the most expensive, the highest numbers in any category, that just means it's better and it wins. We're still trying to figure out when when what? (laughs) What do you win? (laughs) Yeah. Besides bragging rights. That brings me to builds. Mm, interesting. Okay. And that's custom builds with absurd horsepower. Sure. That I think are a waste of time and money. Ooh, okay. Throw it out. Go for it. It's when somebody's describing a car to you, or it's sitting in front of you, and they're showing you the car, and yeah. it's under a tarp, or it's coated in dust. And theoretically, if it were to be in top shape and running, this baby makes five or six, 700 horsepower, 800, or however much horsepower, mm-hmm. and it's a 200-mile-an-hour car. Well, no, it's not because it's sitting and it's broken and it's right in front of me. And you've dumped a bunch of money into this car to get a number. And mm. at that point, the conversation should stop, right? It, say, there, oh, it's supposed to stop. Okay, yes. let's say it is running and it's right uh-huh. there and it runs perfectly and it's a build, whatever that is. Mm-hmm. LS swap something. Name sure, your LS swap. Sure, sure. And there it is. It's got 650 horsepower. And this is going to be, this is so much horsepower. This will beat name the other Here, cars. Here's my 1200 horsepower Supra. End of discussion. Well, first of all, beat them doing what? I I don't know. Mm -hmm. But then at that point, everybody is supposed to say, wow, you win. Uh You're the king. Yeah. I bow down. That's it. Nobody ever says, why? Yeah. The next question is, why'd you do that? Mm. Well, because it's fun. Well, But why? You just poured money into all the special parts Mm. that other car companies will tune up their car for you and they sell it as a special edition or the... N version of something like sure, Hyundai does sure, sure. or AMG or M power, whatever that is. And they've already sorted the car with professional test drivers and engineers making all those parts work together. So you've bought a bunch of parts because, well, that's the shiny new thing. Sure. The catalog. Yeah. And it can everybody's be buying. Yeah. 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 Now I will back off and say many times there's good parts that do make cars better, mm-hmm. but where do you stop? And then when that's you, the hard part, what is the goal that you're doing with that car? So we run into these comments. well, such and such is faster. Okay. Oh, well, if you only did this, this, and this to that car, it would have won. Mm-hmm. So your comparison is invalid because you sure. didn't know about these parts and that just those parts alone, all you have to do is buy them. They don't even have to get installed in the car. You just buy them and mm-hmm. then you win because you have those parts. And it just makes us scratch our heads because then when we're out driving, yes, race cars, those Miatas that are tuned up, they are quick, yeah, they're yeah. fast, and they're sorted, uh-huh. but not all of them. And then I run into builds of all kinds it's supercharged supercharged to to do what with Mm -hmm. you can't put that kind of power down on a track only on the front straightaway you might break the wheels loose at fourth or fifth gear yeah and you got a bunch of braking to do at the end of that straightaway (laughs) don't care what track it is well i will admit that many of you live in a place where it's a grid system you can see to the horizon there there's no terrain at all it is a grid system you're going to go straight and so the only fun you have is how much power is under my right foot? There, there are those parts of the country. Now, Paul and I are both very blessed and have, have, have actually grown into doing this show because we were in Los Angeles and we found great roads and went 
cars are amazing because <laughs> cars we are were amazing. because we were on great roads. It's not because we were commuting on, in Los Angeles. Well, you can live in Los Angeles and hate cars. It's possible mm-hmm. because all you do is commute and you just hate every time you're in that little steel pod. I get it. But once you go up into the, into the mountains and you find these fun roads, all of a sudden we were both exposed to this thing. We're like, I, I had no idea this was here. I had no idea. I love this this much because we found great roads. Maybe you live in a grid system. It's boring. I get that a lot of horsepower is the only way that you feel like you have fun. But let me flip this a couple other ways. First off, if you have a 1,000 horsepower whatever, Mm -hmm. okay, Mm -hmm. it's your Mustang, it's your Super, it's your whatever. I suspect that once you got that running to do that, it's now become like the roller coaster liftoff. It is that great, I can't believe this is so fast. But then after you've done it a few times and you've gotten, you as a driver have gotten used to that power, it's quit being as fun as it once was, and now it's just a tool. Mm-hmm. Now you're driving along at partial throttle, like just above idle because you have so much power. And then when you need to get to that gap, whoop, you're in that gap. And whoop, you're in that gap. Sure, but sure. you're never really using all of it because you can't. And then you get a new friend or a new girlfriend or a new significant other or whatever, and you have to show them on some back road you can do this, <laughs> or you find your place where you're going to drag race or whatever. But it is, it's very one note. You've gotten used to it. Now you have to impress others with the fact that it does it. But all of this leads to the interesting stat thing that you started with, Paul. Stats, mm, I used to be that kid. I was that kid. I don't remember which magazine. It was either Road and Track or Car and Driver. Used to keep a spreadsheet at the back of their magazine that was a list of every car they'd tested. And it was the power figures in chart form, in, in spreadsheet form. It was the power figures and the zero to 60 and all this kind of stuff and the price. And, all this, and you could compare and contrast. And every time they'd add to the list, I forget which magazine it was, but I was obsessed with that part of the magazine every month. And when a new car would show up that I either liked or wanted to like, and it wasn't high enough on that list, I found myself torn to justify why, well, hmm, if it's not fast enough, why do I like it? I remember when Car and Driver was doing their lightning laps and they were posting on the bottom of their lightning lap articles where cars from the past lightning laps were. Mm-hmm. And I remember when the Lotus Elise popped up on there. I didn't own one yet. And it kept getting lower and lower on the listing of fast cars. It kept sliding down <laughs> yeah, the list sure, every year. Sure. Because my Lotus, it is the most fun car I've ever driven. Everybody put your hands down. We're done. Finished. Okay. <laughs> All right. Fair. Lotus Elise. Fair. Most fun car I've ever driven. Not very fast. If you want to drag race me, you will probably win. If you want to do track laps and actually get a time for this lap, you may win that too. Sure. sure. Top speed, you've got me. I'll still take the Lotus Elise. Now, why is that? Now, here's where it gets into weird YouTube phenomenon. Okay. I want to go straight to drag racing. I'm glad you did. What um, You can hear my confusion because what are we accomplishing? Well, that's just it because you probably have heard in this discussion that we don't like drag racing. As a matter of fact, I love drag racing. I've been to the NHRI pro drag races a lot. I went in Pomona quite a bit, as a matter of fact, and I've stood at the Christmas tree between two NHRA funny cars. Whoa. That was a stupid move. (laughs) But I literally stood. I got permission. And everybody working there was like, sure, you can do that. You're an idiot, but sure, you can go do that. Feel free. I was right there when the car launched. It was like standing next to a grenade going off, I think. (laughs) From what you remember, that's funny. It was loud. And I'm so impressed by NHRA anything. The tires turn square under heavy acceleration. The stats are astounding. The things are transmission and stuff. There's an unbelievable amount of engineering going on there, yes. And in that sense, yeah, it's absolutely racing. And absolutely valid. And I even like the series, I forget the name of the series right now, where 
you need to build your own drag car, but okay. you're required to drive it to the next venue. I think it's five different tracks oh, you have to drive okay. it to. Right. And so you have to continue to drive that car. You can't trailer it. It has to get there under its own power, and mm. then you drag mm. race it in your bracket. And I, I think that's admirable because that just speaks to the longevity and the wrenching capabilities that yeah. people have. Yeah. It's fantastic. But when it comes to YouTube videos or street racing, what does it prove mm. about that car? What does it say about that car? Because we've touched on this before. I might like the slower car better. Drag racing is cool. I like it. Mm-hmm. But not when it turns deadly. Not when people don't know what they're doing. Not when it's street racing. Certainly not in a YouTube video. Even well, though we've drag raced for the yeah. comedic effect. Well, that's why we do it. We do it for the funny, it's, for it's sure. It's more for the sight gag rather yeah. than the seriousness of we got to really figure out these numbers here. And the car that crossed the line first, that's a lower number. And that means it's better. Is it better? Well, but that's the thing. That's the thing about the YouTube phenomenon with drag racing is that if you have the venue, by the way, this is not hard to shoot. If you have the venue, it's very easy to shoot, which is why people do them ad nauseum. Mm-hmm. But all it really shows you is which car was faster across the line in that quarter mile in that video. That's yep. really all we've accomplished. Yeah. We don't mm-hmm. now. I know that that Motor Trend's done their world's greatest drag race, and that can be interesting because you see how you see you can quantify cars in a huge lineup from incredible supercars to the Hellcats to the Miatas, and you watch how they spread out in a straight line. Yes, yes, that's interesting to see. I will acknowledge that. But there seem to be, we seem to be insatiable about our desire to watch that, and it actually proves nothing. It shows us, okay, that car A is faster than car B across the line. I call this the Top Gear effect Mm. because Top Gear was one of the first people to do a drag race with pretty much every fast car that came along. Right, right. So it became this thing where you had to do it. But have you ever seen an episode of Top Gear that used to exist like this like crazy where the car that they were talking about that they've been talking about really well now suddenly loses the drag race? (laughs) And then they have trouble talking about it. By the way, brief side note. If you've never noticed this, think about the structure of a Top Gear review. They're all this way. I'm letting you in behind the scenes right here. They're all this way. The recipe you're talking about. When the reviewer starts talking about the car. If he's talking about it like it's awesome, wait. If he starts talking about the car, the beginning of the interview, Mm -hmm. starts talking about how awful it is, wait. Because they start with one demeanor and then there is a turn in the middle and then they finish the review on the other side. (laughs) And often the drag race was used in Top Gear as that turn. Cars, awesome, 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 awesome. Now we're going to show it lose to something else. Now that is the turn for me to talk about all the negatives. It is a great visual. It is an easy visual. But I think it leads back to sports in general. Okay. I've been thinking about this. Okay. I think the reason that stats are so fascinating is the same reason that people engage with other sports. But this is where cars get us in trouble. Think about fantasy football for a second. Here in the U.S., it's huge. It's big business. Right. I'm right. sure all of you, my wife's been in fantasy football teams, and I'm just kind of like, okay, honey. Yeah, I'm so, right. I remember yeah, that. Yeah. For sure. So uh, it's one of those things where if, it may be your number one hobby, and I'm not, I'm not judging fantasy football at all. If that's your thing, awesome. But the interesting thing about fantasy football or any sport most of us watch and don't play because we're not professional, whatever, okay, okay? you can win based on stats. It's fascinating. My quarterback was better this week than yours, and so I'm winning at fantasy football. There's no debate. There's no discussion about who's more athletic. All of that's irrelevant. My quarterback threw for more yardage. He got more touchdowns. I got more points. I am winning at fantasy football. The NBA, Major League Baseball, you name the sport, but it all comes down to the time, whether it's a a timed race 
or a team sport or the stats for, like you said, how uh-huh. many goals or shots he did. Yes. Golf is the same way. If you're anybody that debates greatest of all time, here come the stat sheets. Here come the well. Let me tell you, this is this stat over that stat over this stat. And this has bled into all of our hobbies, including cars. So now there is a yeah. discussion. We see it in YouTube comments all the time where somebody will, will not agree with our response to something. Mm-hmm. And they will come slinging elbows and bringing stats. And essentially, the commentary is always the same. Well, if the 0 to 60 is better and the top speed's better, then that car couldn't possibly have lost. And by the way, they might own one of them, too. They, they might. They might. But here's the thing. They might not. They might not. They might True. be me True. looking at the spreadsheet on the back of the car magazine and deciding which cars were better based on which ones had bigger numbers. But that's just it. Cars are the great outlier in terms of stats. They are. Stats do apply to everything else. Yeah. Our job performance <laughs> as people, yeah. how much work we got done, how much we met the expectations are of our employer. Yes. How do you think those are measured? By your quarterly reports or your talks with your manager, or mm. you need to do this level of work. All the sports on the planet operate that way. But cars are different because it doesn't tell you how much fun or not fun True. a car could be absolutely brilliant and have all the right buzzwords. Mm-hmm. The carbon fiber this, carbon ceramic yeah, that, yeah, titanium yeah. this. It's got every part that gets our juices flowing. Uh-huh. And yet it's not fun to drive. It might Absolutely. be too heavy. Well, this is the reason why those cheap sports cars that we just drove, we had fun in all of them. Now, various layers of fun. We hope you've seen the eight car and the five car video. Various layers of fun. Some were more fun than others, but all of them were enjoyable. Mm-hmm. But the whole reason we drag raced a minivan was first off to laugh about drag races on video, but also because most of them are slower than a guy that's determined in an all-wheel drive minivan. <laughs> True. Okay? But based on what I'm talking about, that would mean the van is better. This applies to tires, too, because okay. the stat or the spec, the stopping distances and actual sure. measurements of tires does say that tire is better. Sure. But it doesn't say the car is better. Fair. It can make cars respond better, but a tire just standalone, well, I like the the mileage number or the warranty or the performance or the treadwear life. All those numbers do speak to that. Hmm. Well, let's talk about electric vehicles briefly. Ooh, okay, I have a thought on that too. Because electric cars are now sold based on the entire concept of drag racing. For those of you old enough to remember your driver's ed, where the classroom instruction included the part on don't jackrabbit off the line, don't hit the gas because it wastes gas, how okay. to make your car yeah. more efficient, how to sure. be more smooth as a driver off the line, yeah. don't just nail the throttle, and they called it a jackrabbit move. Sure. But now we're buying electric cars for exactly that reason. Do jackrabbit off the line. Look how quick off the line it is. Yes. That's the whole reason electric cars are so much fun. Because they are good at that. We can't believe how fast they are. But but to this point, I have a couple of thoughts. First off, this was probably, and I could debate Elon Musk's level of genius, but the most <laughs> genius thing he did, I think, in selling Teslas was instantly sell them on their fast. Yes. Because if yes. his cars had come out and they'd all been exactly the same as they are and all their 0 to 60 has been five or six seconds, which, by the way, is very competitive, but they'd all been five or six seconds, I don't think they initially would have gotten the press they did. Why did they get the press they did? Lots of reasons, but one of them is because, wait a minute, a Tesla Model S just raced a 911 and it held its own? How is that possible? Because it's an electric car. That fast thing instantly put them on the map. But let me flip this whole scenario around real quick and say this. 
Because I think all of you listening, maybe you've driven Teslas, maybe you haven't, but all of you listening know that they're blindingly quick. They're amazing. They're blindingly yeah, quick. It's yeah. it's until you've driven one, it is you cannot actually fathom how fast they are. They're quick and they've got great range. Yes, absolutely. Amazing. So here's the thing that's interesting though. Car enthusiasts at large, we want to say, well, that car's got a better zero to sixty than this car, so that car's better. If we're gonna follow that logic, what we've ended up with is Teslas are the most fun cars on the road because in every category, they are the fastest car on the road. (laughs) I don't think enthusiasts at large would ever rally behind what I've just said. (laughs) If you've driven Teslas and other cars, and I'm not saying Teslas... You wouldn't rally behind what you just said. (laughs) I'm not saying Teslas can't be fun, aren't, aren't good cars. I'm not saying any of that, but I am saying I don't think any of us at large are going, Teslas, most fun cars on the planet. No, but not, if, yeah, no. But, but this is the end of that logic of, well, it's just what, whatever's the fastest must be the best. No. And privately, I'm worried, I guess not so privately now, I'm worried about electric cars creating worse driving habits. Mm. Because what do you do if somebody cuts you off? You're going to see the red mist and you're going to take every opportunity you get to cut them off next time. Mm. Well, electric cars respond instantly. Sure. You can actually, you know, since we're now all instant people with Instagram and instant everything on TV, yeah, yeah. you're, you're going to have that tool, that power to be able to go cut them off again. I hope that doesn't happen. Mm. But the response time will be so instantaneous. You don't have to drop a couple gears and get the revs going find and find some space to then <laughs> get the momentum. Right. Nope, you can do it right now. And that means we're all going to be cutting each other off because they're all so instant. Mm. I'm worried about electric cars creating worse driving habits interesting interesting that doesn't mean they will i hope they don't i understand what you're saying and we welcome that future it's the entire youtube commentary it's that discussion about better Mm -hmm. and this is what we want people to do the discovery absolutely to follow the video and if you disagree that's perfectly okay absolutely but also bring an argument don't be a definitive here's why because of a number because as we've talked about it doesn't apply anymore to cars, especially with the advent of electric cars. Absolutely. Those numbers and stats don't apply because some person might have more fun and there's a discovery to be made. So mm. come with that mindset into the video rather than a, well, you guys are wrong because of this, this, and this reasons. And most of them involve stats, as you said. Well, and I, I love your commentary on discovery. I think that's the key word here. And that, I think, is the takeaway, I hope, for all of us. All of us, Paul and I included, and that is the stats are helpful because we are beings that want to quantify things. We want to put right. them in order. That's we, how we relate we're, to we're it. We're never going to stop doing that as humans. Of course, of course. But I want to free us all up. I hope we can all be freed up to the reality of the fact that cars do allow that discovery, and that discovery is outside of the stats. Mm-hmm. It lost the drag race, and it is the worst zero to 60, and you know what? The power number is kind of laughable, but I love it. <laughs> And that yes. needs to be okay. And we need to understand and discover other people's cars and realize why things are great, even though on paper they're kind of like, really? And with sports teams, there will always be people who are fans of that team and people who are fans oh, yeah. of the other team. Oh, yeah. And they will never agree. And there will always be that rivalry. With cars, all we're at is, hey, we like cars, and that's a great car, and that's a great car, and we both like it. You like that one better? Fine. But the, ultimately, we all like cars. That's good. It's never going to be the sports team. I suppose you could do the different brands, but ultimately we're here just loving cars and loving driving and discovering along the way and hopefully having the open mind to acknowledge brands that you never really thought. I have this preconceived notion from the past. Kias of 20 years ago 
aren't the same Kias of today. And you can no longer say, well, for a Kia, that's fine. No, it's just a fun car. What new fun cars will be coming? Hey, good news. We just all like cars. It's pretty cool. Hey guys, it's summertime again, and when the weather gets hot, it's time for custom sunscreens and dash covers from our friends at Covercraft. UVS 100 custom sunscreens are made to exactly fit inside your windshield for maximum protection from the sun. They're durable and sturdy for years of dependable use. There's a wide variety of colors and styles available, including Original, Premier Series, and Carhartt. They also have Dash Mat Custom Dash Covers. They're custom-fitted to your dash for complete protection from the sun. These reduce road glare when driving and complement your interior with a large selection of colors and styles, including the original carpet dash mat, the suede mat, the velour mat, and the extremely popular limited edition. Whatever sunscreen, dash cover, or car cover you choose, remember to use the code EVERYDAY21 at checkout to receive a 10% discount and free shipping from Covercraft.com specifically for our audience. Follow the link from our sponsors page or go directly to Covercraft.com for high-quality products that keep your vehicles protected and looking their best. Covercraft, protecting the things that move you. Gabe D. writes to us, in need of a chaser, after a strong shot of depreciated German muscle. Ouch. I'm already in pain, man. (laughs) Gabe has been watching the show, the videos, for over 10 years. Thank you, man. Thank you. That's fantastic. He's 25. He just sold his E39 BMW M5 Ooh. after what has been both the best and the worst year of ownership of any car he's ever owned. He says the car represented an absolutely amazing driving experience okay. and was great to look at, but caused him so much stress and cost him so much money mm. that here he is getting rid of it. And this is one of the icons. E39 M5 continues, even though it's 20 years old now, it continues to be the measure by which all sedans are measured against. It's like, amazing? This is what, how is it compared to the E39? Is it, is it good? Well, let me give you a number to, to mm. quantify that. Yeah, there you go. Perfect. You can't. But here Gabe says the car broke down several times. It always felt like he was chasing one issue after another. He always felt like the car was testing his patience despite him shoveling money into it and oh, caring for it dearly, especially since it was his only car. The issues became so stressful it was affecting his girlfriend, and she and he made the decision to sell it. The BMW had to go. Wow. But strangely enough, he says he didn't feel that same sense of remorse after selling it than he's had with any other car. It was a relief. He was gl- it it's was a relief outlet. to yeah. see it go, and it's a great car. And when it left, he just kind of sighed, sighed with relief and went, oh, we're better off. Amazingly enough, he says the E39 was never a dream car of his either. It was just a car he jumped into because he bought into the hype and didn't stop to think if it fit his wants and his needs. Interesting. At this point, he really regrets selling his Civic Type R. At the start of the pandemic last year, he says that car was everything he wanted at the time. So he has a Civic Type R that he loves. He sells it at the beginning of the pandemic because he stumbles into an E39 M5 and goes, oh, I should own an icon. And it has proceeded to change his mind and be the least reliable car he's ever owned and something he's thrilled has gone that is that is tough that's tough to admit yeah it is the fact that you're there bravo i'm glad you had the experience i mean maybe you're not (laughs) but at least you know yeah yeah and it will color any future decision that you have about what one reviewer or somebody says about a particular car and then weighed that like you said against your wants and your needs but his search takes him to sporty economy cars under thirty thousand dollars available with a manual okay the cheaper, the better. Okay. I'm not ignoring that statement, Gabe. Yes. That's I see very that. key. Yeah. 
You said the price is important as his girlfriend and he both have the personal and financial goals they'd like to achieve in the near future. He's been considering the 2017 and newer Mazda 3 with the manual. Okay. And the Mark 7.5 Golf GTI with the manual. He sees the Mazda as the sensible choice. That can be something he can have comfortably within his budget, maybe even under 20 grand. Mm. Something he can ride out this crazy market, he says. But he's afraid that he'll be driving it and constantly wishing he splurged a bit more. Mm. He's never driven this this generation Mazda 3. So he says, enter the GTI. It's more expensive, but he thinks it represents a lot more of his wants. He likes the look of the German car thing when it works. <laughs> he just came out of that. Uh-huh. He says it's more exciting to drive, more exciting to look at, better equipped, but he's afraid he'll be spending more money in a car that's near $30,000 and isn't deserving of that price. He did test drive a GTI. He found it a bit boring and uninspiring, which negates the prior sentence that you just wrote, Gabe. <laughs> but he thinks a lot. It comes down to the fact he was considering that the replacement for his Civic Type R and the comparison that it was going to lose, always going to lose. Climbed out of a Type R into a GTI and kind of went, meh. <laughs> of course you did. Yeah. He was also considering the new GR86. Okay. Then he test drove a BRZ and he can't make the back seats work. So that yeah. comes down to your needs. Sure. Yeah, for sure. He's looked at the Fiesta ST. He's looked at the Focus ST. He says, cool, driven both. He even owned a Focus ST for a couple of years. But he says he doesn't think they're de- the deserving of the prices they currently command. That's hard on a lot of cars right now. Yeah. He also has been considering the Veloster N, but he says they're a little bit pricey and he and his family have had bad experiences with Hyundais in the past. He does not elaborate. We don't know. Mm-hmm. Sorry to hear. Yeah. That will not stop my recommendations of Veloster Ns in the future, <laughs> but I understand. We understand Hyundais in the past versus Hyundais in the current That's are a little it. bit different as well. Yeah. Well, what are the options that he's missing? Should he just test drive both the Mazda 3 and the GTI? to see if the GTI is really deserving of the higher price tag and would make him happier? Mm. Or should he go down the smart route? Go with a cheaper Mazda so he can better line himself up to buy a BMW M2 in the future. Very interesting. I mean, the key thing here is that Gabe is not only coming out of this <laughs> difficult time in his car ownership, <laughs> but also you're coming out of it in the worst time to be buying a car. Now, you probably got good money for your E39. I bet you got great money for I'm it. I'm hoping... But you don't want to be a car buyer right now is the problem because we're still waiting on – I feel like prices are at the peak and they're going to start rolling out, but they haven't really yet. And so anybody that's buying is in a, not in a great place. But Gabe does need a car now, so that is very difficult. I'm also going to say – I know you're probably not shocked at this, Gabe, but I'm going to say this right now. Just, just to calm your fears, no BMWs. Let's, let's not get a BMW. Let's just let's, hold there, on. There, there might be options for for that in your future, but for right now, let's just let's just drift away from that brand. Let's get a reset. <laughs> I like that, Gabe. I've got a number of choices for you, but I'm taking into account your personal and financial goals with your girlfriend. I'm respecting that. I also am taking into consideration your age. You're 25. Insurance is a consideration. Yeah, for a sure. A little bit less so now that you are 25, but you have a lifetime ahead of you to yeah. drive cars. Do you need that next M2 right now? Mm. I say no. I, yeah. I, I'm sure you're going to be shocked, but those financial goals are not unimportant, and I want you to have something fun but still feel like you're getting ahead financially. Other times, other debates, I want people to be in a car that really makes them happy, but I've sensed from their email they're in a bit of a different financial situation mm. and that they would be happier spending that money. I'm sensing from you, Gabe, that you're not going to be happy spending that money up to 30 grand, even though you could. Yeah, yeah. Because you keep saying, I want it to make me happy, but then over here, our, our needs can't do those back seats, and we've got these financial goals, and you're young. 
Mm-hmm. So I'm starting with the Mazda 3 Turbo. Can you get a Mazda 3 Turbo for that kind of money? It is not a manual, True. just a thought. True, yeah. Starting there. Then I went to the CX-30 Turbo. I thought, well, it's a Mazda 3 Turbo with three inches taller right height. Yeah. Maybe we'll leave that there too. I went down the sedan line to Kia K5 GT lines. I thought of Hyundai Sonata N lines. Mm, okay. Even the regular Sonata is kind of punchy when you stand on it. Yeah. But then I landed on... One car that I think will do it for you. Okay. And then a weird twist, a, a nice turn that's even cheaper. How about the Toyota Corolla hatchback XSE with I've, a manual? I've got it on my list. That's a phenomenal car in the low 20s. Low 20s? It's going to run. Mm-hmm. It's lukewarmish. It's, it's like a, room temperature. It's a lukewarm hatch. For sure it is. It is a genuinely fun car. But this could fit that need. Uh-huh. But then I cut your budget in half. Oh, look at you. And I went after Honda Fits. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. Because manual. Yeah, yeah. And some of them actually have been turned into race cars. You can always you know, buy a Fit and drive a Fit thinking <laughs> race car. There have been <laughs> you, teams that have campaigned you, Fits. You could, yes. But I did find you a 2015 Fit with a manual transmission here in Midvale, Utah with 89,000 miles in that deep, luscious blue mm-hmm. with great-looking mesh wheels mm. for eleven nine. Wow. I mean, hey, I've actually thought, do I need a winter beater? (laughs) Wait. 89,000 miles. Mm. That thing's just going to run. Yeah. And it's fun and it's useful. Yeah. For 11.9, I'm spending almost a third of your budget. Yeah. And therefore freeing you up because based on the experience you just had, if you hadn't had that M5 in your life, Uh I'd push for something more expensive. Sure. But you've just fire hosed money at this Uh thing and it hasn't given you the reward that you've gotten. Yeah. So why don't we... Just back off a little bit. There is no shame in hitting the reset button. Totally. You got to do what you got to do financially. Get your house in order. Get yourself in order. You don't have to have the fit for you know, the next five or ten years. No, no, no. You can drive it for two or three maybe. Yeah. But that will get you on a new solid footing, and you can just rely on your car. You walk outside, and the car's just going to run. It's mm-hmm. a fit. And it'll be somewhat fun, but lightweight, kind of underpowered, you're going to be on it and you're going to be trying to find that fun. It's sure, still yeah. entertaining. Yeah, for sure. But I just want it to run. I don't want you to have to put any more money into cars right now. You've done the Holy Grail M5, the yeah, E39 M5. Sure. You've had it and it didn't give back to you what you wanted. Mm. So let's just hit the pause button. That's good. Get a fit. That's good. Spend less for 8000 or 10000 Get a fit. Drive it. Reset your financial goals. And then write to us, and we'll talk about your M2. I hope you noticed that Paul just spent a fraction of the budget. For those of you that have, have not <laughs> I know, gotten I up know. off the floor yet, I just I want to know. remind you that this is still the Everyday Driver car debate. <laughs> yes, uh, yes. Gabe, I'm going to help you, and I'm going to go straight here to the E60 uh, V10 M5. At, no. <laughs> don't totally. do that. Don't no do that. That's just like the next worst place for you to be. Uh, so, yeah, we're not doing BMW. I, look, I like the current Mazda 3 a lot. Unless you get the turbo, which is not available in a manual, I would not call it a performance hatch. It's very nice. It's just not a performance car. So I I get the sense that we went Civic Type R, E39 M5. I think you need something that's got a little bit of personality and performance flavor. Otherwise, you're probably going to be a little disappointed. Even if you saved good money, I think you're going to be disappointed. The Honda Fit's interesting because it actually has a surprisingly good chassis and a great gearbox. It's just entertaining. the the XSE Corolla is the same thing. Yeah. It's affordable. Now, granted, that's close to a new car. You're going to spend most of your budget. But it's affordable. It's got recent tech. It's it, it's gonna it's not gonna feel precious and it's just gonna run and be fun. So I think that's a good one as well. I don't love the GTI for you, Gabe. 
Mm. Because yeah. you've driven it already and it disappointed you. Now, I understand you were comparing the Civic Type R, but it hasn't gotten more fun. I, I, I <laughs> it mean, will drive it, the same you know, as the last time you will. drove it. You will gain the German interior of it, and I think you might like that. But the thing I'm concerned about you doing is trying to find an affordable GTI, and I'm worried that that's the one that's going to have problems that's going to put you back into putting money in your car. Yeah. Great. If you're buying a brand new one, maybe a different conversation, but I'm, I'm concerned. I don't think the GTI is worth reaching for. You do need to drive the Veloster in. It is excellent. It's probably better than you think it is. I have a car that I think might work, though. Okay. A third of your budget, maybe half your budget. Okay, good. Thinking small, affordable, hatchback, decent gas mileage, but still manual transmission and fun to drive. A perfectly good car to just be an enthusiast and have a pause moment in this car. And it's still, you can still say, I have my enthusiast cred. I like driving this car, but it cost me almost nothing. Fiat 500, a Bart. They're That's pretty still cool. 10 to 12 grand. That's going to sound have, better than a fifth. They have not gone up in prices as much as things like the, the, the STs have. Mm. Okay. They haven't been pulled up as much as a lot of things have. Now, a year or so ago, you could find ones for seven or eight. You can't now. Now they're 10 to 12, but 10 to 12 grand for a 500 a BART in a manual transmission with that great exhaust note. It isn't the best hot hatch ever, but it's a much better hot hatch than some of the other things we've mentioned. It has real personality. It has genuine space. The back seats in that are better than they are in the, in the Fiesta ST, for example. And better than a BRZ. Yeah. So, so I think it's surprisingly usable and and genuinely fun, I'm going to stay right there at 500 a Bart. Gabe, I like that a lot. All right, so you're down to a couple choices, but ultimately we're both here and save money right now. And like yeah, I said, for sure. we've all had to hit the reset button financially in our lives and batten down the hatches and get rid of things in our life that are sucking on our wallet. Mm-hmm. We've had to do it. There's no shame. And think of it this way, doing that, there's still fun to be had, whether it's the Fit, the Fiat 500, mm-hmm. or something else, spending less it's going to set you up better and you can start planning your re-entry into BMW land or whatever the next car is. The BMW M2 might go by the wayside, yeah. but you can start planning that and then really come back full force. When your car needs new brakes, it's a great time to upgrade for better stopping power. We're excited to partner with Power Stop Brakes for an easy way to get more performance from something you already need. Power Stop is on a mission to deliver better brakes on every vehicle in every situation from daily commuting to towing to track days. These are all bolt-on, direct-fit parts for better braking, no modifications required. Every Power Stop complete brake kit comes with all the parts you need to upgrade your brakes, including pads, rotors, and even those little clips and fasteners. Plus, all their pads are made from a carbon fiber ceramic compound, which they've tested extensively to deliver low-dust and noise-free performance. So the next time you need brakes or you simply want to upgrade, visit PowerStop.com and enter your vehicle's information into their easy-to-use car finder. We even found great kits for our SUVs and our cheap sports cars. Give your everyday driver the easy and affordable performance upgrade it deserves at PowerStop.com. We've got great questions as always. Thank you guys for so many great questions. I'm going to start here with Stone Stalwart on Instagram because it plays directly into the conversation we just had with Gabe. He said, can we elaborate on how one gets rid of an unwanted car? He's having a financial quandary here. He says, we mentioned that no car is forever, but he's done the math. And until he has enough equity in his current car, he can't replace it because then he's paying off the depreciation of the current car and the new car. Mm-hmm. How do you do this? How do you figure this out? What, what on earth is going on? Isn't, isn't he stuck? Maybe. Maybe you are. Because, uh, look, I, I've been through this, and most everyone I know has been through this, where you have a car, 
and you are underwater on the loan. It is not worth as much as you have to pay off. And now you have two choices. You either take the bullet, you <laughs> sell it, and you cover the gap in your loan for the next car. There are plenty of banks that want to do that for you if you've got good credit. They <laughs> will happily money. just tack that on. Yeah. I've known people who were forced to do this. The current car that they're underwater on now had something catastrophic happen, and they are forced to buy something else and carry the loan of the last one. It's the worst thing ever. Many of us have gone through that. It sucks. What I recommend to you is figure out how to, to suffer through that first shift. Because I almost feel like there's almost there's almost like a rite of passage moment where you've got to get over that hump. Okay, <laughs> sure. The thing I want to say to you is this: you don't have to buy another brand new car. Okay, you could go. We were just talking about cheap Fiat five hundred of Bart's. I don't know what your current car is, but what if you need to get on the right side of this financial equation? Okay, mm-hmm. and you want to get into something different. You don't like your current pick a car. Okay, I don't like this thing, and it, and it's twenty grand that I owe, and it's only worth fifteen. But could you buy something that's 10? So you carried that over into the loan. Look, not a financial podcast. But now you're buying something less expensive, so you have the ability to get out in front of the problem earlier. Or you can sit there and wait until the numbers equalize. That could be years. I'm not denying that could be years. Then there is the other part of the equation. Can you keep paying on your current car that is probably your daily, that is probably a reliable car that you may need to keep for a few years? Can you dabble in a second car that was cheap? Can Mm. you get a car that instead of compiling your debt and figuring out another down payment on top of that, can you save three, four, five grand and get yourself something that's not great, but it's fun and it gets you another life experience or they're in the other equation. And that is you keep driving your current car and you spend whatever little extra hobby money you have, because we all have that hobby money that we find in our pockets somehow, (laughs) even if we shouldn't, can you spend that on car experiences while you drive your current one? Love it. Crash test. Oh, one says, where's the best place to hide a car from your wife that you accidentally purchased on an auction website because you thought someone else would outbid you, but they didn't. Asking for a friend. No, you're not. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Wow. I hmm. Immediate friends, family, and that's if you want to really hide it. That's the big question. That is the question. Do you want to go down that route? Because yeah. the longer you hide it or the fact that you did is going to be potentially more costly yes. than the price of the car, mm-hmm. especially the longer you wait. It's like not fessing up to your mistake, to your employer. Yes. Oh, well, your spouse in general. There's a, there's a trust spouse, question here. There's a real trust question here. That's, that brings that into play. It depends on the car. Mm-hmm. Maybe it turns into a gift. If it's the right car and he or she wanted that car or they would like driving it, suddenly, guess what I got you for your birthday, Christmas, next holiday, any <laughs> reason I can make up and pull out of thin air? Sure, yeah. Then it's a gift. You might want to invest in some big red ribbon. Lots. But nevertheless, you can't sit on that. You gotta tell whoever that is. You gotta yeah. tell them. Crash test. Is your wife currently listening? Are you are you breaking this to her via the podcast? I I kind of hope not. so, and I kind of hope not. It's like to getting be fired with by you. a Twitter. Yeah, that's, that's no all good. bad. Yeah, <laughs> firing people by fax. Remember when that used to happen? Oh, God. Anyway, here mm, there's so much to unpack here. The the really the big everybody thing has here a different is, relationship with their spouse. Absolutely, but trust is the foundation. You haven't told us the car, and you also haven't told us the amount of money. But, <laughs> That's true. But here's the thing. If you if you won it on an auction site, I am concerned that you may have spent more than you hoped to. 
That's the other concern that I have. So that becomes a big hole in your budget that's just going to be this black hole in your budget that is problematic for other areas of your budget. What's this line item, honey? So, look, I think there is a little bit of grace available here by just being candid to to what you've just told us. I think this car is fascinating. I wanted to bid on it on a site. I was kept bidding. I got excited about the bidding. I'm bidding... Many of us have done this. If you've ever visited eBay in the past 20 years, you've bid onto something and been like, what am I doing here? Okay. And in, in car auction sites right now, this is a thing. It's a huge thing. You ended up buying it kind of by accident. I mean, you wanted it. You bid on it. That didn't happen by accident. But the fact that you won, probably at a price more than you wanted to, mm, that is an admittable mistake. Also, it is a car you could resell. It's also, right, there are other cars sure. in your sure. life, theoretically. Do you want to keep the one you want on auction? Do you want to jettison some other car? All of this is discussions with your wife. You've got to bring her into the fold on it. What I think you need to do is I think you need to get the car to you and see that it is legitimately a car that you now currently own. It's not in the ether yet. If you're, if you're in the middle between I've bought it and I don't have it yet, you need to, you, you need to get it to you first. So, yeah. Friends garage, whatever, someplace where you can get it. Don't have it show up randomly at your house. Bad idea. <laughs> but then you need to actually have this conversation and go see the car and have a legitimate conversation about it because there's just going to be some navigating and hiding is wrong. <laughs> That's wrong. Anybody Bad. else hearing talking heads once in a lifetime? This is not my beautiful house. This is not my beautiful wife. <laughs> How did I get here? It won't be your beautiful wife for very much longer. <laughs> for be very, careful. Very yeah. true. You've heard us talk about drive homework. Because it's vital to drive a lot of things when trying to find your next car. Knowing your options is important. This applies to online shopping, too. You don't want to search just one website unless that site is searching all of the other ones for you. That's why we love Auto Tempest. I know you've heard us talk about it before, and we hope you've already seen how far you can shop with just one search. Auto Tempest pulls from all the top used car sites at once, so you know you won't miss a deal on that perfect car. Autotempest.com. All the cars. One search. Geese1RBM says, is there a reason automakers don't seem to put in a way to permanently turn off the automatic engine stop feature? Most cars have to let you turn this off, and they do, but it only lasts until you shut the car off. Once you fire it back up, you have to switch this feature off again. As it turns out, the 2015 Porsche Cayman GTS has the button, and it's been off the entire time I've owned the car. So it stays off? it stays off. Look at that. It's a red light on the center instrument panel, and it stayed off every time. And fortunately, it does. All right. I think it depends on the manufacturer, but most definitely lean towards not. Mm -hmm. You have to reset it every time. And then that one time you forget, you're you're going through your checklist, your pre-flight. You know, you start the car up, and you got (laughs) got all my buttons. And then that one time you forget, and it dies. You're like, ugh. That button. Where that is that button? button? That's the thing that you and I have is we keep diving for that button because it's in a different place on every single car. It is. So that's always a problem. Peter, are you there on Instagram? Says, what car would we love to own, but we know it's a bad idea because the car would be too precious to us mm. to the point we would always worry about it and never drive it. This is tough to say, but I'm going to go down this route anyway. And I, I don't know this for sure, but I'm, I, I have thought of this concern before. Okay. In my life, I would really like to own a Jaguar E-Type. Okay. I'm very concerned I would rarely drive it. No kidding. Not because of lack of interest. Because of lack of running? 
because and even if it did run lack of electrical signal I th- exactly distributor cap? Be- because it because it's going to get dark and then i'm really screwed <laughs> no lack of fuel to the engine because I, I think i would constantly drive it i've driven a few and i thoroughly enjoy them but you've mentioned before paul how sometimes you get a relief about giving a car back yeah yeah. Uh, my concern with an E-Type, again, my dad owned a couple, and they were notoriously awful. Now, his weren't great, which is part of the reason they were awful. But even a really well-sorted, we've driven a few, I, there's always that thing in the back of my mind where I'm aware of how old this car is and all of the stuff that potentially can be reliability problems with it. And I am concerned that I wouldn't drive it much because I'd be worried about the stuff that could the whole time I drive it. I, I don't yeah. know. Look, uh, yeah. Peter, are you, are you there? I'll tell you this. I'd like to have this problem. I'd like to discover if I'm right. But I'm concerned about an old car like that, a car that's that old that I'm that interested in, that I'd stop driving it because I'm just worried about the what if. I, and here's the crazy thing. <laughs> I wouldn't be as worried about I parked it next to so-and-so or I took it out for, oh, I'm, uh, the public is out here or it might get rained on. That is not the part that would worry me. It's the brand, random braking <laughs> that what does that mean? That yeah. would worry me. Surely there's got to be some sort of slight callous on that feeling of yours because you've been a fate owner. I have been a fate owner. I mean, yeah, I was a fate owner <laughs> for the laugh for the show. That helped. That, that did that helped. Help. Yeah. The SLK helped for me as well, but nevertheless, revs up says we often talk about turning off the nannies like rev match and traction mm. control, stability control. But how far do we take that? If they would offer, would you turn off ABS? Not always. I don't think I would. I don't think I would. On, definitely not on the street because it it comes on so subtly now, and it's not an. Um, it doesn't interfere with your driving. You, yeah. On many cars and many modern cars, it doesn't interfere to the point where it detracts. Whereas traction control definitely does. In many corners, you're driving a car hard, especially on track, and it does interfere depending on the level of the system and the car. It can interfere on the slightest of things, and you go. The car just killed that corner for me. Mm-hmm. I would have enjoyed it. I forgot to turn it off. ABS, probably one of the last holdouts. And funny enough, it's one of the first safety systems ever introduced. I wonder if that has something to do with how long you and I have been driving and how long ABS has been around. But I mean, mm-hmm. there used to be in driver training, they used to train you to pump the brakes. Right. I was never trained to pump the brakes because ABS existed. And I think that might be the dividing line for me where it's just, if any of these nannies step in the way of my natural instincts, then I find them annoying. But my natural instincts, when I need to brake, is to push that pedal as far to the floor as possible. I don't think to pump the brakes because I wasn't typically trained to. I understand some part of me intellectually that I might need to do that at some point, but I'm just trained to just put that that foot to the floor on the brake pedal and the ABS solves it. It doesn't get in my way. It works with my instincts. Most of the rest of them don't. Revs up also asks me if I wash the inside of my wheels. Of course. Of course, yes. <laughs> the not visible part, unless you remove the wheels or get under the car. The big secret is that wheel brush, and you can slide it in between the spokes with the bristles pointed towards the hub. Mm. If you slide it in far enough, it goes past the backside of the rim, and then you can turn it 180 degrees and then bring it back and scrub. Scrub the dirt away in there. I don't really have comprehension of this however it reminds me of when we went to our great friends griots yes and we went to their headquarters and we were walking around with nick and i forget i genuinely forget what he said but it was some sort of comment that he made in passing just <laughs> in passing uh-huh. about when you've got your wheel off when you're washing the car and literally my brain stopped it was like wait 
Way, 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 way. I was way. still tracking with him. There are moments when your wheels are off the car because you're washing it. Yes, Nick has done an entire video on how to wash your wheels properly when you I pull them off the car. I am aware. It's I just, great. until that moment, I was unaware and color me still shocked. This is how to be thorough. Alex HC09 says, with an unlimited budget, what car would we choose for a camera or follow car? You might be surprised at this answer. I settled on this a few years back and I'm going to stay there. Unlimited budget. I would get a Tesla Model S with the rear seats that face backwards, mm-hmm. and I would do a permanent camera mount out of the back hatch and a few other places. I would make permanent camera mounts all around it. That car has instant acceleration. It makes no noise of its own other than tire noise because there's always a problem with the, the camera car makes its own exhaust noise. Yep. yep. Tire noise is ubiquitous. They're, every car is making tire noise. So the fact that it makes tire noise is kind of irrelevant. So you could catch up to anything. Mm-hmm. You, you have no noise of its own other than the occasional whir if you're really paying attention. It automatically comes with back seats, not made for me, but back seats with seat belts. I, that it, money, no object. I would buy a Tesla Model S, black it out completely, and have a crazy fun camera car. A pickup truck bed liner. Have all your friends over on a there Friday night. You spray it black with the bed liner. I'd hard mount a lot of things to the exterior to be able to mount cameras. Yeah. It would not look like a nice Model S, but it would be perfect. Let's take the hatch off while we're at it. Turn it into a pickup truck anyway. <laughs> well, you can stand up. You can mount the camera any which way. Starscream S13 says, what do we think is the next entry-level spec class? Mm. Guessing FRS or BRZ class. If so, are we, are we going to build one? No plans at this point. We definitely want to do more with the new GR86 for sure. But the next entry-level spec, it, it could be that car, I, certainly. I think it makes sense. Miata's got the thing covered, you know, otherwise, but sure. Mitch Ledwards asked a related question. He said, there's a rumor that Lexus might make a Lexified version of the GR86. Frankly, <clears throat> look at that front clip. I think it's planned. I, I, that car looks surprisingly... Point? I don't know. I've heard well, zero rumors. I've read none of these rumors. I don't know where you guys I, are hearing I've, this. I've but. read them as well. And, I, and actually rumors think, are rumors. I think that the front clip looks kind of like a Lexus product. I think it, they, they, it's a small gap. Here's the weird thing going on at Lexus, okay? Lexus up to this point... <laughs> Just one? No, no, no. We, we've talked about this. We've driven all their products. <laughs> There's only one weird Lexus thing. Lexus up to this point has been chasing Mercedes, uh-huh. and they've yeah. been the affordable Mercedes, and they've done it phenomenally well. And they run really well, and they're nice to be in, and all of these kind of things. But... They're bland to drive, mm-hmm. but they attracted that audience, frankly, that used to buy Cadillacs, all yeah. went into Lexus For products. sure, yes. Great cars in that regard. But Lexus, in the last couple of years, as Mr. Toyota has taken over Toyota, mm-hmm. they have decided to have something called a Lexus Signature. They've built their own racetrack with corners from all over the world. They are trying to give the Lexus product a, a significant driving fun. Oh, this drives like a Lexus means this is how fun it is to drive, and it drives like the other Lexus, which are also fun. Hasn't been something they've traditionally been about. I think that means we're at a, a shift point for Lexus, where they're going to start offering products that are more focused on driving fun. The stuff that, let's be honest, BMW has started to walk away from. Mm-hmm. I think Lexus is seeing a gap in the market for enthusiasts that also want something that's good and luxurious and runs. This is where a hybrid version of the 86 with Lexus badging would fit. It would feel like a real left turn, but if they do it, I think it is the beginning of them really saying, this is where we want to go. I don't know if it's going to happen, but I think styling-wise, it doesn't look like a big reach. Rocco B says, how much time do we spend on a shoot and how much time do we spend together? (laughs) He assumes more than your significant other. Well, as a matter of fact... There's some weekends when Todd and his wife, Catherine, 
just have me over for dinner. Yep. And they're very nice. And we do talk about, you know, show business and stuff that needs to get done. But for the most part, we're just talking about life and whatever else, because that's where our friendship started way before the show. Yeah. And that's still there, which is fantastic. But my wife does tell me every now and then, she's like, you know what? If you guys are just going to talk cars, let me know first. So I'm just aware. (laughs) She does. And she does have a rule at dinner that 50% of the conversation needs to be things other than cars. Yes. So we talk about all kinds of stuff at dinner, which is great. And she's a great cook. Rusty Buckskin on Facebook asks about all-weather tires. He said, what do we think of them? Things like the Michelin Cross Climate 2 and other companies. The Continental makes one. Nokian makes one. There are a lot of companies now that are getting into all-weather tires. He said, hang on. They seem to get good reviews. Are they different than all seasons? What's going on? I, I can't tell you yet, but we are trying to get a tire sponsor to get some all-weathers to test Mm -hmm, through this mm -hmm. winter. The key thing about all-weathers versus all-seasons, and this is very key if you live in a place like we do, where you like seeing that snow symbol on the side of your tires, where they're going to, the the three peaks symbol that says they'll work in the snow, all-seasons are not rated for that. All-seasons are more like three-season tires, because if you actually get serious snow, they cannot keep up. They are not good (laughs) enough. All-weathers are trying to be what all seasons suggest they are, meaning all weathers are supposed to be you're driving them in the summer and it's hot, and guess what? It snowed this morning and you're still fine. I'm as curious about them as you are. I'm, In fact, I'm completely obsessed with having a set of these tires because I'm just fascinated to see if they'll work for us. Just see a few more friend questions here. Matt Gare, 82, that says, be, us being great friends for so long and working together all the time, is there any moment when one says something that annoys the other one a bit, as if, Todd, you <laughs> said Porsches are kind of overrated or something like that? i that, actually, yes. <laughs> he does. Before you start podcasting, and then we're disagreeing with each other throughout the whole podcast. I suppose so, but... You know, it's funny. We agree more than we disagree. There, there are points on which, which we disagree, but yeah. it, we both know that we better bring our A game if we're going to disagree and what are the reasons. Sure. We better bring sure. the here's the reason and then ultimately one of us will say, yeah, well, you're, you're right. That, that's hard to argue with. That's a great reason. I still prefer blank, yeah. which yeah. is fine, but ultimately – we're both agreeing that we love cars and that's where, you know, back to the top of the show where we're starting about YouTube. We bring that. Yes. You know, here's our reasons. You've brought, you know, three great reasons why you disagree. That's wonderful. Those are great points. Cool. We still disagree, but we're still, you know, the the foundation of the friendship is still there. Mm, Absolutely. That's the most important thing. But with YouTube and the internet, there's none of that friendship part. It's just, yeah. well, I disagree, and mostly it's just, you guys are wrong. And, and here's the stats that back me up. <laughs> well, exactly. That got a better lap time. It must be better. The number of times oh. that people have quoted, sorry, I'm off on another rant, <laughs> Nurburgring times at us. <laughs> yes. Well, that means it's better. That didn't do nearly as well in the ring. Mm-hmm. I, we, I actually, we got an email years ago now. We got an email from, from a father who was baffled as to how to talk to his son oh. because he was trying to tell his son the benefits of rear-wheel drive. And because the Civic Type R had a faster ring time than many <laughs> rear-wheel drive cars, he didn't want to talk about it. Oh. And it was like, okay, but... but and, and here's the thing. The, the 15-year-old version of me goes, I see how you got there. But the person that, that you and I have driven so many cars, I'm like, but no, we need, to, we need to drive stuff and understand that the number is that. It's a number and it's impressive. Yeah. But it doesn't tell you much else guys thank you for all your questions everyday driver tv at gmail.com is the place to send your car debates your car conclusions 
And your Topic Tuesdays, too. We realize the Topic Tuesday is just an ongoing discussion. Yep. We've left it behind for now. We can always come back to it. But it's the stuff that sticks with you, I guess. Yeah. And we've identified this before. When there's a hundred positive comments, or that one person that stuck in a comment, you We're think, well, way. now I'm yeah. depressed. Because, well, did you read the other hundred comments about people who agree and like it and whatever? There's that going on, too. So we're here to encourage you. We're here to encourage your car love, your car buying. Mm -hmm. And we love it when you drop us a line and say, hey, guys, I thought of you. And here's an email or here's a link to something cool. We love it because we're always learning, too. Looking forward to next time. As always, cheers, everyone.